In the name and praise of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, amen. Good morning. I am happy to be with you today. I flew in from Portland, Oregon yesterday. Uh, I was there for a writer's conference, and my son flew here from Connecticut, so he joined me here for the forum that we just completed here at your church. And here I am now speaking to you about the gospel. And in our gospel reading for today, we have the well-known story of the prodigal son, the young man who takes his share of his father's fortune and leaves home. He squanders his inheritance, and when he begins to starve, he seeks refuge under his father's roof. The father, without hesitation, welcomes him home. I have two questions for you. How did the father ever let him leave? And how did the son know it was possible for him to return? The answers, I believe, say something about faith and hope in God's love and in the way we must be in the world to support the ones that we love. I want you to think about two postures. In the first, your hands are balled up into fists and your arms are close and tight. In this posture, you rein in all that you hold dear. You hold your children, all of your loved ones, you keep them close. You think things such as, how can you let him out of your sight? How can you let him go back to that school? How can you let him fly alone, as my son Tane did yesterday to meet me here? This is supposed to be the default posture of the loving parent. If the father in the story had been in this posture, there wouldn't have been a problem, would there? He would never have let his son leave. But what kind of resentment would have grown between the father and the son? How long would it have been before the son left anyway? Let's say he did go. And his journey is the same. He falls into poverty. He starves. Would he have come to the same decision? Would he have felt that he could return to his father's house? I don't think so. Because the son will remember, if only unconsciously, the father in this stance. And in this stance, there is no room for the son to return. Now, what does the second posture look like? It's this. Arms open. The heart is bare. In this stance, it looks like the arms are empty, but really they are quite full. The parent, the loved one, is holding a space. You have to be strong in love and strong in faith to hold this stance. You have to be willing to let a loved one go. But I believe this posture is what helped the father to let his son go. It is this posture 
that let the son know he could come back. I believe Christ tells the story of the prodigal son to let us know that God holds this space for all of us. This is how God holds us in his love. God is willing to let us go into dark places. But God also, in his love, lets us know that we are not alone. And that if we walk away from him, he's not necessarily leaving us, right? We are not alone and we can return. Can we learn to love in the same way? Can we be strong enough to hold this stance? To hold such a space? I say we must. We simply must. Because the alternative would be to live like this, balled up in fear and worry. Not long after I became pregnant with Tane, I thought I'd had a miscarriage. It was 24 hours before I could see the doctor to get an ultrasound. And he even said to me, he said, um, when I called the doctor, he said, come in tomorrow. And I was like, tomorrow? And I know my doctor, right? This guy is a no-nonsense person. So if he wasn't going to see me immediately, then I felt that must mean there's nothing to be done and I am losing this pregnancy. So for those 24 hours, I spent that time grieving. I spent that time in the darkness. So the next day, my husband and I went into the office. We got the ultrasound. And I saw right away this amazing, pulsating drop of light, insistent and strong. There's your baby, the doctor said. Normal six-week growth, heart beating, and everything. I just kept staring at that screen. I was talking to it, and I was saying to it in my heart, where only he and I could hear, I said, I will never give up on you again. I had walked through that darkness when I didn't have to. And even worse, I had unwittingly taken my child with me when I didn't have to. The notion overwhelmed me. I'd chosen to believe in death instead of life. I had allowed fear to hijack my hope. I had forgotten God with me in that moment. I focused on the image of my unborn child, and I promised I wouldn't do it again. I realized in that moment I must always believe in this little being's life. I had to believe it for both of us, and I still do. Now, that doesn't mean I exist with a Pollyanna kind of hope, acting like Tane, now gloriously present in the world, will never know illness or will never die, because this will happen to all of us. But I do choose to make a simple choice to believe in the greater possibility of life over death, to believe first that life will find a way. I told you I came here from a writer's conference, and and just a couple of days ago at that conference, I had a conversation with another writer who was asking me about an essay that I had written about the two hours during which uh, I knew about the shootings at my son's school at Sandy Hook Elementary, the time between learning about the shootings and knowing that he was safe. So it was a period of about two hours. He asked me if I had forgotten 
what that time was like. And I even said to him, I said, I think you're making a certain assumption, right? I think you're thinking that I was uh, like this, right, in that tight space. And, and he was, and, and he agreed. He's like, yes, I am thinking that because that was the way it was for me when my wife recently had a health issue and she was undergoing tests and we were waiting for the response, the, the results of those tests. And he said that when the test results came back and she was fine, that all of that worry went out the window and he just forgot about it. Well, I, I explained to him, well, you know, I actually did that, but not during Sandy Hook. I did that back when I thought I had that miscarriage. And I don't forget it. I remember it so that I don't do it again because I don't have to. I live out this promise that I made to my son. On any given day, it might look like a constant letting go of watching my son leap out of the nest in ways large and small and believing only in his growing ability to fly. My friend asked me, well, how do you do that? And I told him, I stand like this. This is what I do. This is the way I am. I continue to hold this space so Tane can see there is room, always room, even when death has entered, for life, for what comes next. Think of the wingspan required to hold such a space for someone you love, a space that must hold forgiveness, hope, compassion, mercy, we are told to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. I believe this is what it looks like when we do so, holding ourselves open to the possibility of loss, but also making ourselves available to the tremendous love we can share with others, bringing them to their full potential in life and letting them know, like the prodigal son, that there is a loving space into which they can return. Amen. Thank you.